Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 21st, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me as always, taking a sobering journey through history. Effing rage. On today's show, we will of course discuss some games that we've played, including several demos. Multiverse's daily peak Steam player count has dropped more than 99% since launch. And as Marvel's Avengers game shuts down, one dev offers an apology. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Had uh, had anything happen lately? Any uh, any computer parts blow up? Uh, you're, you're leading us right into uh, games <laughs> we played. Well, that's okay, not a game so, that we played. Uh, yes, it's called Pop Goes the Video Card. I mean, if you want to call that a game. Well... See, that's a good way. That's a good way for me. Like, how you been? And you could be like, "Oh, I'm fine. My video card blew up." Or I could like do a segue, and then we can we could talk about it, yeah, and I could ruin funny. it. The, the the week after we talk about AMD uh, slowing chip production and uh, everything, and uh, my video card died on me. It was what eight years in service. Something like uh, that? Yeah, seven, eight years. We looked it up, but I don't remember exactly when the AMD 480 series card came out. Yeah, and I got it not exactly on launch, but pretty soon thereafter. Which part of me wishes I had sold it at one point, because it was originally going to be the first part of a new computer build, and it was just you know, jumping in on the video card because my video card was old at the time. And then, yeah, sh- uh, yeah, shit happened, life happened, never got to uh, build the uh, computer it was supposed to go in. And then computer parts shot up because, you know, the initial Bitcoin rush happened. Yep. Oh, yeah. That, that, honestly, that video card has uh, gotten its, uh, did get its work in. But for a fair while, it was definitely by far the best part in my computer. Uh, But yeah, it died on me uh, like two days after our last proper episode. Yeah, Uh, Ironically enough, I was uh, playing a demo of a game where you do tech support. (laughs) And... I was very unimpressed with the game, about to shut it down, and my monitors go blank. Not a good sign. I've been having some driver issues. I've had driver crashes. I've I had the, you know, it's, it's been obvious that the video card has had issues, or, you know, just driver issues, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes it's a little hard to tell. And but there hasn't been like any artifact or anything. Then all of a sudden, video card uh, video goes blank, and I'm getting no video of the computer at all. Thankfully, I'm able to remote into the computer and start poking around. I see it's booting. I see it gets to desktop. Okay, good sign. Open up the, the device manager and exclamation point on the video card, and the video card showing is uh uh. Uh, as dis oh not disabled as you know uh, as unplugged essentially. 
Right. Very not a good sign. So reseat the video card just to you know, try that. Uh, and I also deleted it off of uh, Device Manager, so uh, try to reinitialize it. Card gets power, and nothing. It doesn't even reinitialize on the Device Manager. It is dead. So start hunting around for a video card. <laughs> and yep. that's not going to break the bank. Thankfully, card prices are back somewhat down. They're not as crazy as they uh, were before, but they're still, you know, it's still painful. I ended up getting an RX 5700 XT. And the price history on that card is rather sobering. <laughs> if this yeah. happened six months ago, I would not be getting a video card for a, a bit because, whew. How much at, did you pay for it? Uh, after tax and shipping. Uh, because it was like, Three bucks shipping or something because Newegg. Uh, the only place I had video cards really was Newegg right now. Uh, it was two fifty after everything, which is not bad. No, that's very reasonable, and that's a, I believe a uh, RTX twenty seventy comparable video card um, in terms of like power. I mean, I, I suppose our our listeners, most of them, are probably going to be on the up and up, but you know, it's it's a very solid top tier graphics card. You know, the 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 seventy, the the whatever seventy and the whatever eighty series Nvidia GPUs are usually the ones to beat the last oh four GPU cycles, something like that. Yeah, according to this uh, RTX twenty seventy super. Just the closest uh, direct comparison. Yeah. So, very solid video card. I mean, the 2070 was what I was probably going to target for my build, although now that I'm a year behind when I intended to build my new PC, probably going to be looking at a 3070 series card. Because I've got a 1070 that I bought right before GPU prices went fuck all crazy in during the COVID the COVID times, the the beginning of the COVID times. Um, and that card has gotten me through the last several years. But my whole PC just needs a rebuild. It's it's pushed to the max. I'm rocking, you know, 10-ish year old hardware. It's it's at the end of its life cycle as a, you know, as a gaming PC for, for what I do. Yeah. So now we get to trade places, though, because <laughs> you and I were in lockstep for a long time and then mm-hmm. I got the 1070 and then now you've got yeah I was holding on to my old video card because when I was building the computer yeah video cards were still the one thing that was stupidly expensive so yeah I was not planning on upgrading for a bit I was wanting things to come back down a bit more but uh, uh fuck you you can't fire me I quit <laughs> Right. Push does but, eventually come to shove. Yeah, this game uh, really sucks. I'm going to go kill myself now. And how uh, does that make much. you feel? It makes me feel like I be, should be digging a grave. <laughs> <laughs> I might uh, get a little shadow box and uh, put the card in it uh, as a little display piece. Oh, do one of those things where you take it apart? Mm-hmm. Maybe. See if I can find the scorch marks. Right. 
my 480 is still going. It's in my kid's gaming PC. Mm-hmm. Um, he got he got the hand-me-down parts from when I rebuilt mine a few years ago, and that's what he's using. Yeah, I've, I've only had the computer back up and running for like two days right now, though. So I'm still on the break-in period. Right. But uh, trying out a few things. Uh, went into Hunter Call the Wild because that's been kind of our you know, pastime game. Yeah. Cranked everything up to maximum. Still got 90 plus FPS. Is that what yeah. you said earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, depending on the area I was in, uh, it would dip down to the upper 80s in like heavy wooded areas. But, you know, open plains, you know, 100 plus. So I might just uh, put uh, a V Sync on just to, you know, lock it down so it's not, you know, you know burning the uh, card, right? Yeah. Uh, Snowrunner, that's more CPU bound than anything. So, you know, uh, I definitely make it prettier, but does it, you know, really seem to impact the FPS there? Um, trying to think of what else I've, uh, really tackled. I mean, uh, overall, you know, very happy with it. Although, you know, not happy I happened to, uh, drop the, pro- uh, uh, that much cash right away, you know, right away to get back up and running. And I'm lacking one cable to get my secondary monitor up and running. So this card has one HDMI port and three display port uh, ports. Yeah. And I did not have a display port cable. And my uh my primary monitor has two HDMI's and a display port, if I recall correctly. My old one is one HDMI um, on my secondary monitor. And two uh, DMI connectors. And yeah. I tried to use an adapter, and Windows did not like the adapter. So I should have just gotten the cable, but I didn't. I didn't. I forgot that the main monitor had DisplayPort on it. So I'm pretty much going to have to run DisplayPort to my primary and HDMI to my secondary, which works. But right. Yeah. I uh, both of my monitors are DisplayPort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, there... not sure if, I'm not sure if it's going to make much of a difference, uh, you know, qu- uh, picture quality. But, right? Yeah. I know, it was, so DisplayPort can carry a higher frame, or a higher resolution and frame rate at the same time over HDMI, even, to my knowledge, the sort of other most recent HDMI. Yeah, but as far as I know, this monitor is just 60 hertz, too. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two... Both of my monitors are 144 hertz, um, 1080p displays. I don't think... I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever move past a 1080p display. Like, I mean, I guess at some point I'll have to, but, you know, in terms of, like, the whole deal of, like, the eye's perception of pixel density and things mm-hmm. like that, I sit about two feet away from my my monitors, and... I might get a boost at 1440p, but I mean, my eyesight's bad. <laughs> like, and I prefer a much higher frame rate anyways. And if you stick to a low resolution, you can push hardware for longer because, mm-hmm. you know, most developers target newest, shiniest, bestest looking at highest resolutions. Yeah, which boy, we're going to have a discussion about that next week. We will. Hint, hint. Hint, hint, yeah. I'm looking to see 
because okay before we before we move on you you mentioned this i wanted to look like what are the standard like monitor or you know display cable types these days like hdmi uh, is obviously still around as a display port like those are the two that i know the best yeah um usb-c looks like is becoming very common for mm-hmm. low to mid-tier displays thunderbolt is apparently a really common one and you can still find occasionally vga is like a lowest common denominator on like projectors but really it's it looks like it's hdmi display port and USB-C for the most part yeah my old monitor actually has a vga port on it as well yeah I've got a couple of older monitors kicking around that I occasionally get out to use for something, and they have HDMI, DVI, and VGA on them. I mean, obviously, you know, there are there have been monitors in the past that use component or composite video, um, and there are probably still some out there today for specialist applications, but you don't see those anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't I even think I'm getting a hold of a third monitor, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I'm debating about getting well, a larger single monitor. So um, my, doing my, like a curved display. Well, my main screen is a 22 inch uh, 1080p. But when we moved, uh, Anita kind of slightly damaged the uh, the LCD panel on it. Yeah. Uh, whenever it's a very <laughs> dark and blue display, you can see like an outline right in the middle. Where she stacked the uh, monitors when I told her not to do that. Yeah. So what I might do at some point is get a third monitor, put this one in portrait mode, uh, as uh, and off to my left because right now my main monitor is directly in front of me, and my secondary monitor is above me actually in an unusual uh, configuration, right? Yeah. I've got two 26-inch displays just side-by-side. I mean, one of them is angled slightly, which is why I've considered getting a curved display, because I've got sort of a very shallow V thing going on with these screens. But I don't don't know. I kind of like having two monitors. Like, I know that you could separate. You could do, like, windows and separate out a, a bigger single monitor. But for, like, the way that my brain works, just with sort of my slightly ADHD brain having mm-hmm. two completely separate displays usually helps me get stuff done. So ultimately I'll probably just upgrade the display panels whenever these start to burn out. Yeah. For me, I like to have like, uh, well, when the second monitor is connected, of course, uh, have like uh YouTube or something running on the secondary monitor and just be able to flip my eyes up to look at something. Yeah. So your, uh, your video, video card story is listed as, as a quote-unquote games we played. Yeah, because, that I, that... because I got to play around in uh, the insides of my computer and run uh, extra power cable, and I also figured out what was actually causing the rattling noise in my computer, which was also fun. Uh, turns out one of my bundles of power uh, cables had come undone, and uh, every so often uh, the front fan would like suck in the connector just enough where it would rattle slightly. So I that see. was fun to uh, finally figure out. Well, glad you uh, got it figured out, though. Uh, so do you want to take a game? Yeah, sure, I'll take one. Um, So I've got one, I mean, there, there are three games, but I've got one that's not a demo and two that are demos. So I'll start with, with uh, 
the the actual game. So while riding the Metro around all weekend in DC, which I talk about quite a bit in our this week's Franken recording section, uh, stay tuned for that. I'm sure it'll pop up sooner or later. Um, I bought on the Google Play Store Mini Metro and played Mini Metro for about three hours in total over the weekend. And it is an excellent minimalist kind of puzzle game. Um, It's okay. So what you do is you build or design builds, maybe not the quite word, but design transit lines. Um, You get a randomly sort of generated map that uh, has stations that pop up over time. And the map might have river, or well, the map usually has some type of rivers or something, so you might have to build tunnels. Well, it also depends um, on the city you're in. Yeah, but uh, tunnels, um, and uh, which might require you to to have tunnels when you build a line. So, you, But you get these stations, and each station is a shape. There's triangle, square, circle, and cross. If there's more after the cross, I haven't gotten that far. Um, but you, I'm playing on my smartphone, so I'm, you know, tapping and dragging between different stations to draw the lines, and for your first few stations, you get one single, uh, train that runs between, or that runs the lines, and you just keep it going for as long as you can. Um, there's no money to be earned every in-game week, which the time passes relatively quickly, um, maybe a couple of minutes per in-game week, um, you get new things. So you start with three lines. You can get up to seven, I think, six or seven lines, and they're just represented by different colors. So, you know, red, yellow, green, blue, etc. Um, so you can get additional lines if you want to separate it out that way. You can get additional trains. You can get additional train cars, which, you know, increase the length of your train, meaning that a train can carry more, quote-unquote, people, more shapes. Um, you can get additional tunnels if you want to, if you want or need to have more tunnels. Um, and then you can get, what's the other thing you can get? Trains, tunnels... Train cars, lines. Maybe that's it. Maybe that is all you can get, those four things. Um, And you're essentially just trying to beat your high score, which is how many people that you transported. Um, You can, at will, sort of redesign your entire line, um, or your your entire network if you want. You can pause time. You can delete your your lines. You've fully refunded everything that you delete. Um, They're just resources that you can spend or reallocate at will to try to just keep your system going for as long as possible. Um, There is an endless mode uh, where you can just play and there's no, like you don't lose. You just keep going for as long as you want. Um, But in sort of the standard mode, you lose if you have a station that gets too many passengers built upon it for too long. Um, And eventually it's like, Oh, you failed. You have too many, too many people. Do you want to keep playing in endless or do you want to try again? And then it starts over on a new um, randomly generated map um there are there i mean there are real world maps or real world maps real you know world locations that you can play on so you do get the same map every time but i just keep playing in the randomly generated mode um i just i find that interesting and fun but it's got a very calming soothing soundtrack very 
simple sound effects, but they're all very pleasant, very nice to to listen to. You can kind just of built upon one another, huh? <laughs> yeah, you can pause the game at any time and come back to it. So you know you could play for a few minutes on the metro, or you could you know sit on on the couch or lay in bed and play for thirty, forty five minutes, an hour. Um, it's just a very calming game. The first time you start playing, it serves as a tutorial and it explains stuff to you. Um, but then after that, I mean, you can, you know, it, it, it's not intrusive. You can go, you know, to sort of the options menu and review the stuff. And there's a few settings that you can change on my phone. It uses, um, and I assume it would do this on any mobile device that supports this. It uses haptic feedback. So, you know, the little vibrations and, um, if you've got one of the the displays that that also can kind of not displays one of the screens that can move like if it's got you know pressure sensitivity to it which my phone has which is very weird to get used to but using devices that don't have it now feels very strange and and it will respond to different pressures that are you know the the different amount of pressure that you're exerting on it plus it'll use that haptic feedback the vibrations to make it feel very intuitive to drag line connections around and to drop, you know, train cars and stuff on lines. Um, it builds tension really well for a game that's so simple. Like whenever you start to get the little ticking sound that you've got a station that's about to cause you to lose, you're like, Oh shit, what can I, you know, what can I rearrange? Can I get this stopped really quickly? You know? And like, you're watching the train. It's like, go, go little train, go, you can get over there. And then it's like there's that moment of either relief or horror if you're as like, another okay. train sh- stops and drops even more shit there. Yes, or you accidentally mess up your line structure, and so you've got like uh, a train that bypasses it. And it's like, oh god, how am I gonna lose? You know, it's very good, very good game, very simple. It was ninety nine cents on the Play Store. I don't know how much it costs on PC. Um, I think it does have the PC tax because, right? Mini Metro is oh god, it's ten bucks on. I'm pretty sure Steam. I picked it up on deep discount on Steam. Yeah. Uh, this says historical minimum. It's been okay, so it's been free a couple times. Um, you can get it for five bucks on Amazon. So it's probably been on sale for a couple bucks. Uh, I mean on. It usually goes down to five bucks on sale. Okay. I mean, on mobile, 99 cents just is a steal. Now, Mini Metro, if you have the Google Play Pass or whatever it's called, which is their sort of subscription mobile gaming service, it's included in that. Um, But I I tend to just buy the games that I want on mobile um, as opposed to use any of those subscriptions on mobile, just because there's so much garbage on mobile. But, I mean, 99 cents, absolutely worth it. Five bucks? I don't know. Um, that's a, you know, it looks like there's more, actually looking at this, it looks like there's more stuff on the PC release. So, maybe the extra maps, or you know, something like that makes this more worth it on PC, I'm not sure. 99 cents, perfect for mobile. I'd say even like two, three bucks is, is a a good deal. Five bucks. I don't know if I'd be happy buying this on mobile for five bucks, but it's enjoyable. I'm still playing it. Um, I'm going to 
be playing it. I was playing it at work today when I took a break. Um, or when I was when I was eating lunch and I took a break from doing some paperwork, I played Mini Metro while I ate uh, a sandwich. So, good game. I enjoy it. Two thumbs up. Okay, what did you play? So, uh, moving on to the first demo I played. I'm going to have four over the next couple weeks. I'm going to skip one for now. Okay. So, I am Future. A cozy uh, apocalypse survival game. I really wanted to uh, like this, but it's just uh, the demo does not do, do itself any favors. It, this is one of those that it feels like the uh, the developers really need to bring in some outside uh, te- uh, game testers to figure out you know what to tell the player. Because there was, I actually ended up at a state where I couldn't figure out how to progress because the game was telling me to do something, but it wasn't telling me how to do it. And after the third time of something like that happening, I just gave up on it. Which is incredibly frustrating because it's not a bad game overall. I do uh, worry that it'll be a bit samey because the, the idea is that. Uh, 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 player McPlayerson <laughs> uh, wakes up out, uh, after a hibernation chamber, uh, 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 defrosts his ass, and the world has kind of moved on. You're on <laughs> like the, the you're on the top of the skyscraper that's been overgrown, and there's nobody around, and you're just like. Oh, I'll stay here. <laughs> right. And the entire point of the game is essentially just building your like little uh, you know, home on top of the skyscraper and sca- uh, scavenging parks, go, uh, sending drones out to go scavenge the city. Uh, there's some automation that just I just not get did not get to in the demo. I'm not sure if they're actually in the demo or what, where you could build robots to you know, take care of mundane tasks like watering plants and that sort of thing. But the, the tutorials in this game need a serious rework. Like it tells you to build a farm, but then it doesn't tell you how to water uh, said farm uh, to the point right. that yeah, okay. uh, to the point that. You don't get uh, uh, the bottle to collect water for quite a while. And by that time, all your plants that the game had forced you to uh, to plant to be able to progress the tutorial has been eaten by these slug creatures that, you, that pop out every night. Uh, they have really no interest in the player character. They just kind of uh, pop out, they eat plants, and then drop sludge that you have to clean up later. Not very cozy, huh? No, doesn't sound like it. Uh, th- there's some story going on, and I do like the... There's uh, You can see a glimpse of it in the uh, uh, store page, where instead of uh, just, you know, salvaging something and, uh, you know, like, randomly getting the parts from it, you're actually physically taking it apart, you know, taking out screws and that sort of thing, and you could stop at any point to just get partial stuff. 
like uh, taking a part of microwave, you're sitting there figuring out how to, you know, uh, pop the door off, that sort of thing. It that that's uh, it was very satisfying, at least the first time. I imagine once you do it a dozen times, it's going to get old, right? Yeah. And considering even in the demo, I took apart like two or three kettles. I mean, don't get me wrong, by the third kettle, I was you know, a master at taking it apart, but at the same time, do I really need to do this again, right? Yeah. I have a feeling that I'm not the target audience here. See, this is one that I had downloaded to play, mm-hmm. and that I didn't get a chance to play. I mean, the so, demo is still active if you wanted to try it out. I'm I'm going to, and maybe you know I'll I'll compare, or, or maybe or maybe I just overlooked something on the demo. Uh, whenever they say, "Yeah, okay, plant this," and you know, it's like, "Okay, now you know, you need to water your plants." How? <laughs> what? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh. There, uh, the kind of the uh, the dead stop was it was wanting me to upgrade the workshop, uh, but in order to upgrade the workshop, you needed something that uh, in the game wouldn't tell you what it is. <laughs> and I just tried a few combinations and got frustrated with it and it's moved on. I do like uh, uh, so there, there's this talking fridge named Earl. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, who's uh, like your big companion? Uh, uh, to you know, keep you from going insane, and you could use him for storage and uh, a little bit of shopping as well. And he has a a, a fair amount of personality. Your player character is pretty much just a blank slate, as far as I can tell. So, and it does look like you get more characters later on. The fishing mini game is there, but it's kind of bare bones. So, uh. Like I said, there's a there's stuff here I really wanted to like, but it just couldn't get into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I do intend to play it, mm-hmm. so maybe we'll have a little bit of comparison talk we can do next next time we we do this because next week will be game club, so we probably mm-hmm. won't talk about it then. But in two weeks. Okay, maybe. Okay, um, is that all you have to say about it? Yeah. So the first one of my demos is uh, Plan B Terraform. Um, this is a colonization, terraforming, transportation sim city builder. It, it hits a lot of... A lot That's of... either going to be really good or really bad. <laughs> So, I, see, this type of game, I don't think is done justice by a demo, mm-hmm. because there's only so far that you can get. Um, so the game starts out very, very slowly. Um, you're given uh, essentially a Mars-like planet. It's randomly generated. There are three randomly placed settlements that are down on the map. They're like bare bones. The 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 colonists have landed their ship. Help them build a city. And you get a few basic mining rigs and a few drone transport platforms and a couple of like basic factories. 
And the tutorial takes a long time because you don't have very much stuff and you initially don't start with a good way to transport any materials over a long distance. So if you get a bad starting spawn when you don't know what you're doing, you're going to waste a lot of time, um, which I did because it, it, the tutorial does not do a very good job of telling you exactly what you need to be doing um, to get these resources moved around. But in, in, essentially, you you start mining some basic materials, iron, um, phosphorus, and stone, to get your, your basic building blocks going. You build more mining rigs, you build more drone platforms, and then once you get far enough to sort of start unlocking the tech tree, you get um, drone transport vehicles and roads. And that's when the game finally starts to pick up. Because using the drone resource platforms to transport stuff around takes forever. So you, the, the, the whole thing is laid out on a hex grid. Mm-hmm. And each <clears throat> excuse me, each facility has a limited range. And for the most part, there's one hex of space you can put between them where they will still work with each other. Some things have to be adjacent. Some things have to be touching. But for most stuff, you get sort of one hex of range that the drones can go out and get resources that your your mining drills mine or that your factories produce and tr- transport them around. But until you get roads, you have to like hopscotch drone platforms around for them to transport resources and the drones are always trying to level out the resources so and and there's no way that i found or that was explained to prioritize where you want resources to go so until you get roads to where that you can set up actual transport networks between you know essentially nodes like mining nodes to production nodes you just have these drones sort of hopscotching resources around haphazardly to try to spread them as evenly as possible between all of the drone resource stations. And each one can hold 10 of a particular resource. And so initially, when you've got like a couple of stations and your first couple of mining platforms and your first factory, it's fine. But... Then when it's like, okay, you need to collect X amount of resources to research research a road. You need this many things to build, you know, the next thing, to build the next thing. And you've got 20, 25 drone platforms to move stuff around because you still don't have the fucking roads yet. Like, how hard is it to make a goddamn road? You're doing a Mars colony, right? It's just like, you're just waiting. Uh, where are you going? You need some roads. Right. But you're just you're just waiting. And you can yes, you can speed up time, you can slow down time, you can stop, pause it, whatever. But still I spent a good thirty minutes at the beginning of the game just waiting. Um once I did finally get roads and could set up proper sort of transport nodes, the game started to make a lot more sense. And you are transporting resources to these settlements ultimately to support their growth. Um and so the settlement will, de- you know, will have demands. And initially it's, you know, we need iron, we need sulfur, we need um, stone, you know, we need silicate, you know, whatever. And so you're bringing resources to the city. 
And once you fulfill the resource needs of a city, it grows a level. And they start out as, as I said, you know, essentially one hex settlements that represents like the spaceship that has landed. As you supply their needs, they grow and they, you know, there are more small buildings and then more small buildings and then some larger buildings. And in the, it, the, the demo stops before you get this far, but in the screenshots and in the trailer for the game, you know, you see essentially these metropolis, tr- metropolises forming around um, your transport network. And so you're not building the cities per se. You're not colonizing the planet per se, but you are supplying the resource needs of the settlements to do the growth and the colonization. Um, it starts out really slow, really rough. And I don't know if that's, I just got a bad, you know, roll on the, you know, randomization table for my planet. I don't know if that's something that they intend to fix. Um, the game is, is in early access. So I don't know if that's something that they're going to released in early access already. Right. So, um, you know, I don't know if this, if that's something they're going to fix, like, you know, as they tweak it for the remainder of its development. Um, but once I did get past that initial really slow hurdle, um, it really started to pick up the pace. But like I said, demos of this sort don't really, I think, do this type of game justice because it, it essentially you get the first tier of tech, which is the road system and the drone trucks. But there are trains and monorails and um, other advanced, you know, sort of quote-unquote future techs for transporting goods around and for mining and, like, factory like complexes. <laughs> like, yeah, like trebuchets. Um, factory complex-looking structures that you can build that can, I think, do more than one thing at once. This is very much a, you know, feed X into Y to get Z to build X2, you know, type of supply chain. Kind of like Factorio in the sense of, like, you know, you can have in your initial product run, or in your initial factory setup, you know, you've got these factories that you put two resources in to get a single other resource out of. But then you use that resource and another one to build a new type of factory and and so on. It's like that. But it looks like some of the later structures are sort of these factory complexes that you can just feed resources into and they can produce whatever you need. But I'm not sure because they were locked off and I couldn't get to them. Overall, it seems pretty promising. I'm tempted to buy it. Um, if you, well, it's too late now. Um, your save file from the demo, they said, would carry over into the full game if you purchased it. So I'm, I'm considering purchasing it. It's only nine bucks right now. It's on sale for the next, ooh, looks like it's only got 13 hours left on the sale. But, you know, full price is 10 bucks. I'm considering buying it. I think it's worth 10 bucks. I liked the demo experience. It started out really slow, kind of a little weird, but I'm into it. I like this kind of game. So, yeah, pretty solid overall. Two thumbs up. Yeah, it looks like they're planning on increasing the price with every major update. So, uh, with early access estimated to take uh, about a year. But whenever they say about a year, they mean three. <laughs> right. Hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> so, how about the latest in animal-based extreme sports games? Go on. Driftwood, with a downhill skateboarding sloth named Eddie. 
I was picking through the demos and I saw the gif of this skateboarding sloth and I just had to try it, you know? Yeah. So the uh they highlight that this is a very chill game. There's no story mode, there's no open world. It's all about down uh, downhill skateboarding on a longboard. So no like fl- uh yep. Uh well, no major tricks. There are point multipliers by like skating close to cars, that sort of thing, or going through leaves on the road. But the uh, main uh, thing is like time attack. Go, uh, getting as fast as possible from uh, the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill without, you know, making Eddie into a greasy stain on the uh, road in the process. And it's it has this very chill, laid-back approach to the game that I just found very appealing. <laughs> uh, uh, also, the fact that, you know, it, it's a sloth on a skateboard uh, drifting around a corner of a, uh, of a hilly uh, roadside, right? <laughs> Right, which sounds awesome. I mean, you just have to kind of see it in action just to see how kind of goofy it is. Uh, But I appreciate it. Uh, There are uh, shortcuts to discover on uh, the various uh, levels, essentially. Uh, And it's a very straightforward game. I don't foresee it being very expensive. They don't list a price just yet. And that's kind of a little worrying, because, right... Yeah, but uh, the uh, the demo only ha- and the demo is still available, by the way. Uh, the demo only had three levels, but it, there was kind of this zen moment of just going through this long session uh, uh, section of like chicanes and uh, hairpin turns, uh, dodging cars, and it just kind of clicked for me, you know. Yeah. And sometimes that's all, really all you need for a demo is to just, you know, get a feel for the game. Uh, they do talk about how there's going to be a fair number of unlocks with the wheels and clothing for Eddie and uh, just, you know, uh, playing a sloth, right? Yeah. So shorter one, but eh, does don't really need to go too uh, uh, in-depth on that one. So let's see yours. Yep, the last one that I, I've got for this week is called Survivalist Invisible Strain, which is a really weird, kind of a weird name, mm-hmm. and the image that they're using on the Steam store page for this game is not good. It makes it look like, honestly, a pretty shitty looking game, but it's not. Um, It combines... Some elements, the, the easiest way to explain this game is it combines some elements of Project Zomboid, zombie apocalypse, survival, um, very in-depth systems for food and clothing and illness and damage to your body and, you know, all of those aspects with some of the larger sort of open world exploration um, elements of Kinshi, um, which I talked about at some point last fall, I believe, which is this game that allows you to basically do anything. Um, and it's an isometric game that combines elements of an RPG and an RTS and 
um, a third-person action game and an isometric CRPG and, you know, and, and, and. It had all of these systems that it did pretty, pretty okay to give this, like, really unique jack-of-all-trades experience, um, which is comparable in some ways to Mountain Blade, but... Anyways, so it's combining some of those elements from Kenshi with some of these elements from um, uh, Project Zomboid. And it looks weird. and It looks like it's out of the 90s. It does. And at times it plays strangely, like it's out of the 90s, honestly. It, at times it can be a bit clunky. Um, but hot damn, is this a really good game um it it released a couple of years ago and it looks like the demo which is still available um well, well was... this is the sequel for survivalist by okay. bob okay no, no that's what the developers is bob bob yeah um but this this game has been out for a couple of years but like i saw it like its demo was highlighted during the uh, next fest or whatever so mm-hmm. that's that's how i stumbled upon it but yeah, it plays really well. Um, it it feels very tense. There's a lot of choices you can make. It f- looks like and feels like you you have the opportunity to really like build the, a settlement up and can do anything from being like a you know a wandering survivalist to a shopkeeper in the post apocalypse. Um, so if you can get past kind of the janky way that it looks. And the occasional janky way that it plays, I think it's it, it's a game that would be up quite a few people's alleys that you know listen to to our show and and that I have played games with in the past. Like this seems like a game that possibly like Jim would like or or Cube, um, you know, people who have played um, management games, you know. Uh, survival games like things like that like i think that there's something here for for those folks you know it's good um i'm i'm probably going to buy it i'm uh you know i'm probably gonna wind up buying plan b and i'm probably gonna wind up buying this Mm -hmm. and you know that's two two games that next fest is going to have sold um right now this is Seven seven bucks. Um, yeah, I feel like this is easily worth seven dollars. I suspect you could get dozens, maybe even a couple hundred hours out of this. Um, there's like hints at some story stuff that the demo only really touched on. This sort of greater, um, you know, ongoing apocalypse and like catastrophe and like you know settlements that I guess maybe I didn't realize that it was a sequel. So maybe in the first game, like there's some stuff going on that this continues. I'll have to look at, at the first game as well, but yeah, it's good. It's very, very solid. Um, as long as you can deal with the jankier aspects of it and how weird it looks, honestly, like it's, it's worth playing, I think. And the demo's still up, so you can always check it out, you know, try before you buy. Okay. So time for the Phantom Brigade. Yeah. I'm very excited to hear about this. Okay, so imagine Battletech. Yep. Plus the overworld of XCOM 2. Okay. Plus the simultaneous turn based uh, game 
play of Frozen Synapse. Okay. Holy shit. I'm fully erect. (laughs) And then we started recording. Right. I am massively impressed with this game, uh, with with this demo. To the point that I didn't even need to get to the end of the demo. I want to get this game, if not on launch, soon thereafter. So, there are some down points, which I will get to. So, you are the kind of the default commander at this point. Uh, Very tropey, you know, commander gets killed, you're in kind of a leadership role, because, right, uh, there was a surprise attack on your country, uh, because Putin's a dick. Oh, wait, wrong country. (laughs) Also. uh, Aww. uh, And basically, it's basically what Russia wanted. Uh, They Zerg rushed the country and was able to take it over, and your company of uh, giant mechs uh, was able to escape and has basically formed a resistance group. Now, the just before the attack, you were uh, testing out some... They, they kind of hand wave of what exactly it is, if it's like this... Uh, um, or maybe they uh, will go more into it in the story. Uh, if it's like this predictive AI uh, technology, if this is uh, actual time travel, where you're able to uh, kind of see the enemy movements before they happen and as uh, and see how they'll react... And that's where the kind of the frozen synapse uh, aspect comes in, where you're commanding your troops on, in five-second intervals. And you're able to scrub back and forth through this uh, five-second block of time, uh, like you're doing video editing. And you have movement actions and secondary actions. Movement actions, is, as you might guess, are movements. While secondary actions are attacking, uh, using different abilities, like uh, one of the uh, mechs in the uh, game has a shield, or uh, in the demo, I should say, has a shield, and putting up like a shield wall to deflect and uh, decrease damage uh, in a certain direction. Uh, attacking, which also builds up heat, see Battletech uh, analogies, right? Yep. And a portion of uh, the uh, tactics of the game is figuring out the timing to be able to attack, and also uh, factoring in your chance to hit, because it's kind of ex on uh, some of the uh, attacks, where you have to factor in not just angles on uh, the different uh, armor uh, uh, locations, but also uh, your attack chances, You'll which you'll be able to calculate uh, the percentage chance whenever you're... Uh, setting that particular movement. And it's just a very solid, solid base for uh, for what I think will be a killer game. There, I do have some issues with it, like I said. One is that if, an, like, an enemy dies early on in a turn, uh, the uh, a commands that you still ordered, so let's say uh, one of the like second or third uh, missions uh, in the uh, demo is uh, knocking out a bunch of enemies in uh, a very short amount of time to prevent uh, reinforcements from coming in. 
Well, I had one left uh, to uh, finish off the mission. Uh, and uh, one of the secondary objectives was uh, cause minimum damage to the surrounding town because the idea of this game is uh, sort of like XCOM 2 where you're trying to uh, take over territories and build up resources and uh, build up the like the back lines of your uh, resistance at the same time while funneling resources into your Phantom Brigade to take the uh, country back. Well, originally, uh, on this particular turn, I was going to uh, have uh, uh, one mech come around the corner and blast him with the, the this giant assault rifle that he has, while another one is shooting him with a giant uh, laser. Well, the laser must have like got a lucky hit or something. And it did a lot more damage than I expected and killed the enemy very quickly. Well, uh, on like, you know, turn, or sorry, like second two of the turn. Well, the uh, mech still came around the corner and opened fire. Only the tank had already exploded, so it went straight past and took out a building past it. Which was completely unexpected. And uh, that leaves some of the, you know... Uh, the idea of, well, you're uh, able to see into the future for uh, for five seconds, but not really, right? Yeah. Which is a little hand-wavy, right? Uh, And sometimes the AI does some wacky things, especially uh, uh, if it's not quite sure what it should be doing. Like, for example, on the previous mission, I got... uh, uh, a couple hit, good hits on an enemy mech and blew its arm off, which in uh, this particular game, it's not like uh, Battletech or Mech Warrior where uh, the mechs are absolutely you know, riddled with uh, weapons, usually. In this, think of them as like uh, essentially like exosuits, but only giant ones, and they have one, maybe two weapons. And they're a sort of more akin to like soldiers than they are mechs, where they'll have a primary weapon and maybe a sidearm. Well, I blew off the uh, the uh, mech's arm, which took out its uh, uh, main weapon, and the mech kind of panicked the next turn. But then after that turn, it figured out that it had no weapons or way to fight, so the pilot punched out. And that could, you know. Like I said, you can kind of give it a, an excuse of the pilot is panicking, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of just flailing around. You look at the uh, the run path that it's going to do, it's just kind of like running back and forth a couple times. And that's just a little odd. Yeah. So I, this... Yeah, uh, sorry, go ahead. What what you're, you've been describing so far, <laughs> aside from the, you know, sort of the five second thing where it's you know that this makes me think of the uh, the Battlestar Galactica game because that's the only kind yeah. of game that I've played like this where that you yeah, plan your a, moves yeah, out that's very similar as well yeah uh, and then I, a few I seconds pass and... as my analogy to it but Battlestar Galactica is also a good uh, consideration of as well where it, you're uh, setting units uh, uh, on blocks of time instead of individual turns uh, turns and 
the enemies are uh, playing out their turn as you're taking out your turn. Yeah, but the the actual like sort of mech or mecha you know mm-hmm. gameplay the way the way that it works does line up with what I thought it was going to be because I've played you know I mentioned this to you um, before and I might have said it like already on recording but I played I played several of the front mission series of games and up until the most recent one or two releases which are still several years old at this point um they were all turn-based games that their mechs were treated more like soldiers where that they would have like you said you know one two weapons and i'm not sure if there's going to be uh yeah more weapon laden ones but i don't foresee it at least with the uh way that they have it built yeah in in front front mission um well, I mean, armored core that way as well. You you know, you've got two ha- two arms and two shoulders, and then there's a couple of other kind of bolt-on weapons that exist in you know armored core and in the front mesh universe. And that's kind of what I was expecting. Like you know, you could either use one or two smaller weapons that only take one hand, a larger weapon that uses both hands, and maybe some shoulder weapons. That's kind of what I was envisioning. And you're describing what I'm interpreting is that you know. So yeah, the shield mech. Its shield was essentially built into the arm, so it technically was a one-armed mech, from uh, what I can tell. Uh, So there is that as well, and I'm not sure if there's going to be other particulars of it. Uh, Salvage uh, appears to be... I didn't get to the building of mechs part, because I got a little too excited. It's one of those games that... Yo, you play uh, the demo enough, it's like, okay, I don't need to see more. You got my money at some point. Yeah. I mean, you you describing this has sold it to me already. I don't even <laughs> okay, need to play so, the demo. I'm so just going to fucking it, buy it, it, it when it comes out next week. So, so, so it does appear that it's collect uh, five or six parts of a mech, and there's uh, a, uh, a salvage uh, budget. And you can either leave something, you can break it down for supplies, which will refill the supplies of your mobile base, which is very XCOM 2-ish. Uh, or just uh, salvage the part outright. And the more intact the mech is, the uh, the less of that budget it takes. So, for example, whenever I forced the pilot to eject, uh, I was able to salvage most of that mech pretty cheaply because... You know, I blew off an arm and then caused the pan- uh, the pilot to panic. I'm not sure if there's like any personalities that's going on. Uh, there is personalities on the pilots, but I'm not sure if it actually has any gameplay in- impact or if it's just you know like uh, flavor text. Uh, there's a, a large amount of customization on just painting out just different parts of the mech and making them out. You know, in your case, as hideous as you want. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's weapon uh, tiers essentially, like, and uh, different weapons have different uh, ranges, as you would expect. Like, uh, I looted a shotgun, and it had a very particular optimum ra- optimal range. And then you could compare that with like the assault rifle, which has a, a, a slower curve up, and then it kind of plateaus more and then drops off, which will uh, lead to some interesting building of different uh, mechs and different, uh, essentially, 
uh, battalions. I'm not sure of the actual maximum number of mechs you can field. Uh, I'm wanting to say probably six, but I'm not 100% certain on that one. Yeah, that's very front mission as well. At the end of the game, six mechs was what you could field. Although some missions gave you allies that you could control, so... Does that ever happen, or is it just what you bring to the table? Uh, there's uh, essentially a guest mech that you could uh, that pops up on the second mission. That is like the town guard that you could uh, give commands to. So it's like a, an additional thing on top of what you already brought in. Hello. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry, you were, you were quiet. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, yes, I was, but I wasn't sure if you were done or if you were had another example, uh, so I was yeah, just waiting. It, yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, it's going to be very focused on the mechs, and the pilots are kind of just secondary, which is a little disappointing. Uh, so there's not going to be, like, uh, stats or leveling of uh, the pilots. It's going to be more uh, the mechs getting geared up as your progression uh, uh, system. So as you... Uh, I, this is uh, evident in the demo... Uh, there's essentially tiers of weapons, and as you uh, loot or or eventually probably create them, uh, oh, and there are melee weapons. Sweet, uh, according to the FAQ. So, right, yeah. Uh, uh, as you uh, loot uh, different weapons, they'll not just have uh, different stats, but also uh, eventually you'll start seeing essentially better variants of the weapons. So, I'm I'm a little disappointed that there's not you know something to make me more attached to the pilots, but uh, it's gonna make uh, more on the loot. Which okay, fine, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm sold with you. <laughs> usually, it, like you're a, a very harsh but fair critic, and if you're like, I love this. And it's something that even seems like it's remotely going to be up my alley. It, I don't think you've ever liked something that I didn't. It's going I'm... to be a. Uh, there's a bit of a learning curve on how you handle the uh, commands, uh, com- the command structure, uh, because uh, you have to remember that you're uh, essentially scrubbing back and forth in time. But you can also uh, check enemy units and see what they're doing, and will react. And uh, as far as I can tell, react to uh, what you're doing. So you can kind of go back and forth and try to avoid damage as well, which is an interesting thing. So yeah, I mean, I'm very much sold. It's supposed to be thirty bucks. Oh shit, dude! Yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you could have said it was going to be a full, you know, quote unquote retail. $60, I'd pay for it. Yeah, I did not get to the progression system as well, which... Or the uh, upgrade system, uh, which uh, looks pretty in-depth, actually. Uh, for uh, it's uh, for the crawler base uh, to expand it out. Uh, whenever you're starting out, you're uh, essentially uh, having the mechs kind of hang on the back of it as you're customizing and changing out weapons. So it does look like that eventually branches out and fills out. So, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. It sounds great. I'm in. Sold. 
Yeah, railguns, beam weapons, missiles, energy swords, and more, according to the uh, store page. Now, now the question is, will they make zoom? <laughs> they have to. That's that's required. Right? That's that's one of the rules. That's the law. You have to make them near, near lightsaber, or, you know, generic lightsaber sounds. Yeah, I'm trying to find... Uh... Okay, so it looks like uh, squad size might be limited to four that you bring in. Which, eh, right? Still, four is a pretty decent number. And that's also with the option of uh, guest units. So it was a little hard to tell on the uh, intro screen if it was supposed to, if it was going to be four or six. Because I could easily see two more in the back, but at the same time, right? Yeah. But usually four is a decent number for a tactics game anyway. Yeah, especially if you've got lots of options and, you know, as you were, these types of games lots of times will, you know, focus on how powerful you're able to get through training or customization or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's only four of you, you're still able, still able to cut through swaths of enemies. Hey, don't forget you're able to predict the future. Right? True, true. Wibbly wobbly tommy wommy. Absolutely. Well, Okay. Cool beans. That's that's all the games that we played this week, or at least that we're going to talk about that we played, demos and otherwise. So let's let's move on. Let's do a couple of quick topics and then round out for the night. Um, our first of two news topics for the night: Multiverse's daily peak Steam player count has dropped more than ninety nine percent since launch. Oh, no! Oh, I just breathed in a fly. God, that's terrible. No, it's protein. Oh, yep. There's been one that's buzzing around. I've tried to kill it a couple of times. Well, I just did. I just got him. Congratulations, you just got him. Yeah. So for anyways, barring that, for anybody who doesn't know, Multiverses is the WB Studios, uh, basically Smash Brothers clone. Uh, Rather schizophrenic uh, Smash Brothers clone from the looks of the roster. Yeah. Um, just because it's got a random mishmash of WB-owned characters. So, Bat, you know, like, I remember in the, in the um... Batman in the trailer fighting it, it was like, Shaggy? Yeah, it was Batman fighting Shaggy. was the one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah, poor Batman never stood a chance. So, let's see, it looks like they added Black Adam, so... But, it's... Okay, so, uh... This has... A few problems. This game has a few problems with it. Uh, never mind the fact that you know, that they're you know tying in the whole you know, uh, uh, the whole uh, Space Jam two into it. You know, adding more shit onto it, right? Yep. Uh, it's a game that's trying to compete with Smash Brothers while offering the bare minimum. While doing free-to-play bullshit. It has... Obscene monetization. Battle passes. And... Honestly... It, a shallow roster on top of it. So... As far as I was able to tell... I I will admit, I've not played this game. Alright? You get a rotating... Uh, selection of free... Whatever they call them. You know, heroes, whatever, right? Fighters. And then uh, you get one fighter for free 
to play the tutorial, and then you have to unlock essentially everything else. And that gets expensive quickly <laughs> and grindy quickly. And it's just why do th- uh, why spend so much time with that unless you're absolutely obsessed to see Steven Universe kick the shit out of Jake from Adventure Time, right? Yeah. Uh, when you could go play Brawlhalla or Super Smash Brothers. Because that's that's kind of the thing, is that we have the Super Smash Brothers uh, equivalent in Brawlhalla done better, right? Yeah, Brawlhalla is, I would say... Okay, this... Uh... Brawlhalla has been a a quiet success. Yeah, oh yeah, Brawlhalla has been very successful. It built up a good niche following. It's had a very avid tournament scene for years. They market that game well to the right type of crowd. They don't have obscene monetization. They do have season passes now, we discovered. But it's not obscenely monetized. Um... But this this falls into the issues that we've been talking about with like live service games in in the ter- in the facts of like people only have so much time for something people only have so much energy and attention span for something and if you in this market space if you cannot be the best or damn close to it you don't stand a chance in this game from everything that I've heard. I also haven't played it, so I can't directly compare it to Smash Brothers. But from everything that I've heard, it is not as good as Smash Brothers. And I've, I've it's, seen uh, comments about it being floaty, the music not memorable, characters all over the place, and uh, moves being meh. Which is not what you want for a Smash Brothers game. Right. So it does the fighting bad. It does the fighting not good. And then you combine the, you know, um, live service, battle passy, whatever elements of it. Because, I mean, the best thing about Smash Brothers and Brawlhalla, um, I have played Brawlhalla, is that you get a huge roster of characters from the get-go. From Smash Brothers, they're all you know, iconic characters from video games or, you know, a couple of other properties that have been added over the years, but mostly Nintendo IP, you know, game characters. And you get a huge roster, and there are some unlocks. Um, You know, there were sort of the secret unlocks in the original Smash Brothers and Melee, and then that just kind of became, you know, expected. It's, you know, you do stuff, you get to unlock more characters. But then you've got them. And then Brawlhalla, at least when I played, it had a roster of characters that they made very memorable, made them play differently so that, you know, you could pick your style of character. But you had the whole roster the whole time. Limiting the character roster, if you're not going to make a, you know, top-tier fighting game, limiting the character roster is the fastest way to kill this game off. Because what's going to bring people to it if not wanting to play, you know, some of their favorite characters from Warner Brothers property properties, okay, so which is I, a so lot. I found, I found a list since we brought characters up. Okay. So, okay. Uh, uh, listen to how schizophrenic this is. Alia Stark, this is uh, d- uh, divided by classes, essentially, or t- uh, 
Styles. So Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, friend, uh, Flynn the Human from Adventure Time, Harley Quinn uh, DC Comics, Marvin the Martian Looney Tunes, Stripe from Gremlins, Batman from DC Comics, uh, Comics Black Adam from DC Comics, Garnet from uh, Steven Universe, Jake the Dog from Adventure Time, LeBron James uh, from Space Jam, I guess not from Earth, uh, Morty from Rick and Morty, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, Taz from Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny from Looney Tunes, Rick from Rick and Morty, Tom and Jerry from, well, Tom and Jerry, Gizmo from Gremlins, uh, Reindig, uh which is a, uh, a original character, or Ring Dog, or whatever, Steven Universe from Steven Universe, Velma from Scooby-Doo, Iron Giant from uh, the Iron Giant, Superman from DC, and Wonder Woman from DC. And that's it. That's still a pretty fun roster, though. Like, they could grow that. They could expand that. I mean, Arya's uh, that, the that, only that, one that really doesn't, that really feels out of place to me. I would say LeBron James. Well, I mean, LeBron James, though, is the Michael Jordan character from the new um, uh, that, that doesn't Space Jam. Exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, if they're if they're gonna uh, comment about uh, soulless, uh, um, you know, cash grab movies, and then you know, ignore the fact that they're making a soulless cash grab movie, it doesn't exist. Fair enough, I suppose. But you know, Arya Stark is really the only one that super duper stands out. It's like, oh, that's weird. But you know, whatever. Like, I that doesn't bother me so much, honestly. But, I mean, that's a good starting roster of characters. And if those were just that, that's all... After, that's after a, a year of support. Yeah. Uh, they launched with uh, about 15 characters. But if those were all available at all times to the player, and they were... Something else was doing them on... Honestly, it shouldn't be a free-to-play game. It should just be a game that costs fucking 30 or 40 or even 50 bucks. And... You should just buy the game and then offer the characters as DLCs or if you want to do a season pass and that's how you get new characters, fine. But of course, this is a modern AAA developed title by a, you know, quote unquote AAA development studio. So they don't want to make a good game that is going to be moderately successful. They want some runaway success that makes all the money in the world and is going to try to nickel and dime its players and ultimately be garbage because of it. And that sucks. Because I think that there is space in the market for one more or maybe two more sort of Smash Brothers-esque games that bring in a huge roster of other characters from other IP. I think there's room for one or two of those in the market if they're done right. I'm not surprised, though, that this game is is on the verge of, of dying. Okay, so uh, let's pick a character almost at random. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, do, like, Taz. All right? Taz Oh, is actually one of the cheaper ones. 1,500 gold, uh, 700 gleamium, which is the premium currency, which, mind you, you cannot buy a, you know, the exact amount you need because, of course, you can't, right? Of course. So... 
to get Taz, you're essentially paying ten bucks uh, for the virtual currency. All right, because that gives you one thousand gleamium, which is a little bit left over, but you're never going to spend it all, right? Right. Uh, mind you, you could get six thousand for fifty bucks, or you could just buy Smash Brothers at that point. Yeah. So. So. Do, do, do. The gold is one hell of a ground. All right. So progressing your battle pass uh, on either the free or the paid tier gets you gold. Uh, the the example here is uh, the preseason battle pass has one tier that's 250 gold. Uh, login bonuses could give gold, which is a daily thing. And also, if you progress a character up to level 5, uh, you get some gold as well. Mind you, Taz is a cheaper one at, at 1,500. Some of the more popular characters, as much as that hurts uh, me to say Taz is not a popular character, but alright. Yeah. Uh, like Rick from Rick and Morty is 3,000 gold. Uh, let's see, Bugs Bunny's 2,000 gold. Uh, LeBron James is 2,000 gold. So you see where we're going with this, huh? Yeah. Uh, it does look like you do you have ways to get gold, but oh, it's so slow. <laughs> and I know, I know, you don't have to unlock the entire roster uh, to have fun with these games. You could, uh, find a, a couple characters that you really like and stick with them. But it's still so long to grind these characters. So, let's see. Uh, Black Adam, which I think is the last one that they added, is 3,000 gold. Or there's, oh, wait, there's a third one. Character tickets, which is gotten through the Battle Pass. Or, sorry, through, sorry, through the Founders Pack, which is no longer available. So, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. I mean, I'm just not surprised that this game is not doing well. It People makes me wonder what they were thinking, right? They were thinking, damn, we're going to make so much money off of this IP alone. We don't have to do anything. And that, that's kind of the other thing is that, okay, you're competing with Smash Brothers, but Smash Brothers is more than just a fighting game. You know, there's the single player aspect of Smash Brothers. There's the mini games, there's the community aspect, and there's the fact that, you know, Mario just snapping and beating the ever living hell out of Peach for getting kidnapped for the third time uh, in the last two days, right? <laughs> That's worth something. That's worth the price of admission. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm really not surprised that uh, uh, that you know, this game has seen such a drop off. Because it's just, yeah, it's it's gross monetization. <laughs> it, unless I'm really, really, really invested in these characters, I just don't see why people would buy into this. Yep, I agree. Because I mean, because you know that's what they made the focus—the awful monetization practices instead of making a good or or solid game that they just sold for some money to be successful, you know, a completed product. So yeah. Fuck them. Uh, Fuck uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, now I gotta go check something. Is there anybody twi uh, on 
Twitch stream uh, uh, streaming this. Okay. So. Oh, that's just sad. <laughs> okay, the top streamer has 50 viewers. Uh, and there's like, I'm seeing just a handful of others. And they're usually like one or two viewers. Yeah. That, that's just so sad. That, that's very sad, huh? Yep. Say lovey. Mind you, okay, Multiverses has, what did we count, 23 characters after a year? Meanwhile, yo, you look at, like, Mortal Kombat, and it has, what, 60? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I haven't played Mortal Kombat in forever. Mortal Kombat has more characters in its DLC pass than Multiverses has in its primary roster. I'm pretty certain. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, not surprised. Uh, right, and, and also, uh, not surprised that um, Marvel Avengers uh, uh, devs are throwing out apologies for you know, things not going all that well. It, it's kind of a one-off, just uh, uh, one of the developers just saying, eh, we're, "We're sorry, it was a challenging production," but yeah, right. Yeah, as we quickly change topics from one so, uh, shitty live, live service to another. So the the developer's name is Vertoso, Vertuso, mm-hmm. um, and the line is, "It was a challenging production." Let's say, pause. I apologize for that. To me, that says I'm throwing the the publisher under the bus on this one, which they should be. But to me, that's like, that's as close to criticizing, you know, um, criticizing the publisher or maybe criticizing Disney, who's, you know, who owns the Marvel IP, like, you know, restrictions or demands that were placed on them. That's my guess. That's how I read that. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. Uh, uh, Spider-Man was uh, a console exclusive. I, I think it's still... Is he still exclusive? Uh, no. I think Spider-Man is on PC now. Let's look. Steam store. I know he was exclusive. And yeah, Spider-Man, when this game was announced, uh, you know, was, uh, it just came off of one of the later uh, Spider-Man movies. Yeah, okay, so the the two most recent Spider-Man games are on PC now. No, I was talking about the uh, in uh, Marvel's Avengers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Spider-Man, what was it, No Way Home, I think, came out last summer, I think. Are you there? Uh, yeah, I was just checking something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if he actually did eventually come to PC, uh, but it's a little hard to find the info. I do know that uh, he was a uh, yeah, a PlayStation exclusive for quite a while, which stings uh, to lose content when, you know, it's a live service game, so the initial launch is going to be bare bones to begin with. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the preview of this at the PC gaming show, uh, you know, several years ago now, and just seeing the cloud deflate when they announced it was a live service game. Yep. You, you remember that one? 
Yep, I felt the same way. I was so pumped. I was like, wow, and a, you know, an Avengers game. Love the Avengers. You know, third person. Mm-hmm. You know, action brawler. Okay, like okay, this will so be awesome. Could, okay, so it's not the actual actors, but fun. Yeah, like that's okay. Um, and then it's like, and it's a live service game. Well, fuck. Guess I'm not playing that. Hmm. I mean, just damn right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and talk about not reading the room because I remember the developer, yeah, really trying to sell it at that point. But it just seemed like no one was interested. And how about that? Still, nobody was interested. Yeah. I wonder how long it's going to be before developers finally get like, no, just make some good single player games that we want to play. I wonder if we've been waiting for that uh, since the 2000s. True. You're right. I mean, we'll see it occasionally, but even then, it's just hobbled or, yeah, or a very limited scope. I mean, hell, just look at the first-person shooter genre. How often do you see a a good single-player-focused first-person shooter, uh, story-based, over, you know, yet another Battle Royale-esque or, you know, Call of Duty ask uh, game, all right? Yeah, not very often. Or when they do, it's a horrible, horrible port. See Atomic Hearts for that one. I've got that downloaded to play as well, so I guess maybe I'll have an opinion on that soon too. Yeah, I I tried watching a couple reviews of it uh, before downloading it, and just I couldn't. It was way too narrow a uh, field of view for me, and that was on uh, yeah, not even. Uh, watching full screen. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mind you, yo, Marvel's Adventures is shutting down at the end of next month. Or, sorry, or, no, 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 correction. Uh, all credits will be converted into in-game research, resources. No new content or cosmetics will be... Or, sorry, no, with no new content and all cosmetics will be free after March 31st with September... All support will end for Bubbles Avengers, but single player and multiplayer will still be available. Well, at least for the time being, right? Yeah. I, I really don't expect I, uh, them to keep the servers up for long. I'm expecting by uh, yeah, a year that, that's going to be shut down. And honestly, I really think that only reason why this has been kicked down the road so for so long is the fact that you know, con- uh, contractual obligations, right? Yeah. It just, this sucks. I miss, what was that game called? Was it Alliance? Marvel Alliance? Marvel yeah, Ultimate Yeah, Alliance? I died for this. Yeah. That was the MMO, right? Uh, that was the looter, wasn't it? Uh, like the ARPG? Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I remember playing a little bit of it, then they announced it was shutting down, so I stopped. Because, right? Yeah. I'm looking to make sure this is the or, game or, I'm or, thinking. Or, 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 I th- or I think I was playing a little bit of it. I know I was playing one of them, and they... Uh, it does look like uh, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is available on Switch, so... All right. Yeah, Ultimate Alliance is what I'm thinking of. I've played Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2. I honestly didn't realize that they'd made a third one. But it's uh, an ARPG where that you have a team of up to four characters and you can 
swap between them, or maybe they're all available on screen, and you can do local co-op, and everybody can be one of the characters. That I mean, that's what all honestly, that's what I wanted out of this Marvel's Avengers game was an Ultimate Alliance style game, but with you know huge production values because of how popular the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become in the last decade. They haven't made one of these in eight years. Well, no, you said there was one for Switch, so I guess yeah. that was. Well, it could have been early in the Switch's lifespan because the Switch is pr- uh, getting on up there, right? Yeah. Looks like Ultimate Alliance 3 came out in 2017, and then there was a sort of a game of the year edition that came out in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, but just another case of uh, yeah, publishers chasing these live service games, right? Yep. We've said it time and time again for the last couple of years, and all of our predictions are coming true on these things. There's only enough room for a couple of them. I mean, more than a couple, but, you know, one or two per sort of genre or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of market space. And honestly, if Marvel can't float one, right? Yep. If if Marvel can't float one, like, you're fucked. You know, the ones that are already there and are holding it down are probably going to be the ones that, that stick it out. And you know, all the rest Unless of them are going to... Yeah. Seriously, fuck up. Which could happen. I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible, though, but damn, right? It's going to have to be like a mass exodus or something. Yeah. I mean, hell, World of Warcraft is still a major player in the MMO genre, even though it is definitely falling off. It's still one of the few that's able to hold a subscription-based service. Yeah. Although there are ways around that now, but still, uh, yeah, the idea of the WoW killer was a thing, uh, was a big thing, uh, you know, in the, the years following uh, World of Warcraft, and you just kept seeing MMOs come out trying to copy the formula, but even though it, as a, even though it mechanically it may have been a better game. It just didn't have the content because WoW at that point was like on Expansion 2 or 3 and you're just not going to compete head to head to that. And you're not going to pull off enough players to be able to self-sustain. And Battle Passes are in these live service games have just not learned that same lesson. You don't see the WoW killers anymore. You don't see the, well. You don't see very many MMOs in general anymore. But that's kind of beside the point. You don't see games shooting for World of Warcraft anymore because they eventually realized it was not economically viable. And I think eventually we're going to start seeing a tapering off. I don't think we're going to see a dying off of the uh, live service game, just because the publishers will eventually realize that. They're throwing too many resources at this and diluting their brands. And that's what they really care about is their brands, right? Usually. Yeah. So I do think we're going to eventually see a tapering off and we may see a sustainable, like, one pop up every so often. But and the graveyard of uh, uh, live service games is massive. It, 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 it makes EA jealous. Oh, it makes Google jealous, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
I'm just looking at a list of successful live service games, and this was uh, made last August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this ranks them from you know ten to one. Let's see: War Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Genshin Impact, Star Wars Battlefront Two, Destiny Two, The Hunt Showdown. Rocket League, Fall Guys, and Warframe. Mm-hmm. Which a couple of those, those I don't really is, think of as live service games, but yeah, I mean, I guess they are. Is being propped up by Epic. Yeah, Fortnite has has dropped off a bit. I mean, Fortnite is in that realm of like so fucking massive, like it's hard to think about. But mm-hmm. you know, I've seen some stories of you know players dropping off and. You know, stuff like that. Like, they're not coming in as fast as they're leaving. But it's not like Fortnite is anywhere near death, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I don't really think of, I guess it is. I don't think of Rocket League as a live service game, but that's because I played it before. You know, we haven't played Rocket League in years, and I probably won't ever play it again because it transitioned from, you know, a good multiplayer game that had a bunch of, you know, cosmetic DLC to a Battle Pass or season pass fueled thing that I just didn't want to be in the treadmill for, which I guess makes it a live service game. But I mean, I guess technically if you look at uh battle pass stuff, you could call Splatoon a ba- uh, one because they have the seasonal catalog, but that's a free thing in the game. It's not right. It's yeah. A prog- it's a progression system. It's not, you're buying into it, but that's kind of, you know, you're splitting hairs at that point of, what is a live service game, right? Yeah. Because Splatoon has quarterly updates uh, with uh, new stuff and uh, new ones dropping next week. So, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, live service games, there will, like you said, there will continue to be a successful handful, you know, kind of a dirty dozen, if you will, that um, make it and all the rest won't. And, over time, you know, we'll see filtering out to fewer and fewer of these games because, you know, companies lose enough fucking money mm-hmm. that they realize it's a a lost cause. And then they'll move on to the next shitty thing that we all hate. Not for the NFTs. Right. But yeah, I think that's uh that'll that'll do it for for us tonight. Uh hey Rage. How can people contact us if they want to? Well, you could do so by sending us an email, vglpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter, or dropping by the, by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And what about them socials? Well, I'm in Caffeine Rage. Uh, you can maybe find me tweet over at Gaming with CR. I haven't tweeted all this year. It's kind of liberating, actually. Uh, but then again, Elon Musk is an uh, utter bell end. Uh, I've been watching Simon Whistler, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can find me, Caffeine Rage, over there. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Um playing my, you know, fiddle as it burns to the ground. Um, <laughs> they've, uh, so 
Twitter has recently taken away two-factor authentication unless you play for pay for Twitter Blue. Um, and they haven't walked that really? one back yet, to my knowledge. Yeah, two-factor authors, uh, authentication goes away, I think, at the end of this month, unless you're a Twitter Blue subscriber or otherwise verified. Um, so that's, I mean, that's probably going to do it for me. Uh, like, I, I'm not willing to put any of my other accounts at risk because Twitter refuses to be secure unless mm. uh, unless I pay them some money. So, fuck that. But hey, uh, uh, have you heard about Facebook? They're doing $12 a month uh, 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 <laughs> blue checkmark whatever. Yeah. Oh. But for now, you know, they might walk that back and otherwise, you know, this will exist in posterity. But for now, you can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Find me running a game uh, on twitch.tv slash runicarts. Again, not my Twitch channel, but a Twitch channel that hosts a Vampire the Masquerade campaign that I play usually a couple of Wednesdays a month. Um, and then also you can find me over on our Discord where you can chat me up and be my friend and we can talk about all kinds of stuff if you want to. Um, yeah. Woo. Woo. So... As we stretch and go all the way back up to the top once again, you could, uh, contact, uh, contact us at Podcast at com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet us at uh, Podcast until that burns to the ground. Or if you wish to contact us on Discord, you can find a link to that over at com. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground back, and Mick Lloyd can find his work over at Incomputech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya! Bye-bye!